Hello, this is Stephen Seifert. You're listening to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm here with Dan Landrum and Aaron O'Rourke. Good morning, y'all. Good morning, friends. Good morning, Steve. Aaron. So, how are you guys doing? Just great. We're fine. Just great. How are you? Jolly good. <laughs> All right. I just got back from Louisiana, and I want at the Lanyap Dulcimer Festival. Yeah, a little something and, extra. Yeah, and, and I want to share with you guys some feedback that I got down there. There we go. So, in the line to go get dinner one day, a lady came up to me, and she said, Aaron, I just wanted to tell you that last podcast that you guys did was just weird. <laughs> I don't remember what it was about. It was just weird. <laughs> You guys just not do weird stuff anymore. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's going to be a difficult one. Yeah. yeah. Hey, trust me, everybody. I'm trying to get Dan to not do weird stuff. No, that's it's the other way around, maybe. I don't know. I, I did find yeah. a website. Wait a second. You're leaving Aaron out as if Aaron is normal. I he, feel like that's... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, you should. You I'm should take gonna, that where you can I'm find it. I'm not going to fight that. <laughs> Aaron is is not... He's not normal, but he's um, more dependable in a positive way. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Today's a bad day to say that because I slept in and I. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess we should, for those of you listening in the future, future, future. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, how March exciting. 17, 2017. Mm hmm. So there. I'll tell you, I found a, a nice app. Some people call, like in the old days, we would call it a program. And I think it might help some of our listeners. It's called the Hemingway app. It's a, there's a website, HemingwayApp.com. And okay. if, if, if you'll type into this app what Dan is saying, it'll actually <laughs> help you convert it to understandable, like grade six language. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that's what I was doing just with my own filter. <laughs> and then I found another app that helps me when I'm talking to Dan privately, and it actually complicates what you're saying. Is that what you were doing this morning? That's exactly what I was doing. Oh, I was morning. so proud of you, Steve. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought, wow. He's, he's playing the game, and he's working on... Uh, yeah, let me find this thread from this morning, and I'll and I'll just read back to them what you said. I'll be I, careful. Do the one about munching. I thought that was a good one. Let's see. That was just in regular <laughs> messages. So uh, here's how it went. <laughs> I was trying to explain something to him, and it didn't make sense. And uh, I asked him if he was having a stroke, and he said, "I require to prehend an authentic, expeditious morning." Munch and I'm Yer. Are we doing this? And then all that made sense except Yer. And I looked that up, and that means, do you know, Aaron? No, I don't. It means expeditiously. Right? Oh. Like Yer. Let's do it quickly. Let's do it now. Oh. This okay. was talking about whether or not we're going to have a podcast. I love it. I mean, this yeah. podcast is frolicsome, but I celebrate we can do a better <laughs> job of availing people play their dulcimers. Okay. Yeah. So what's wrong with that sentence? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I've got a pretty simple question for you guys. Yeah. What's that? Um, today, today being St. Patrick's Day. How exciting. Do either of you have St. Patrick's Day gigs? No. No. No here too. All right. Well, that's the end that of that. That was a simple yeah, what, question. <laughs> no, wait yeah. a second. But you didn't just ask that without it having some deeper meaning. What do you think the deeper meaning behind that is? Do we all, we all just, nobody wants us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble for, for mentioning it, but I was thinking about St. Patrick's Day. I was thinking about Irish music on the Dulcimer. I was thinking about an article I did for Dulcimer Players News a few years ago, and then that led me to thinking about the infamous thread on everything Dulcimer on Irish music. Well, before you go there, um, what was the article? The article was on playing Irish music in, uh, uh, playing Mountain Dulcimer in an Irish session, and Andy right. Young did one for Hammer Dulcimer. Oh, okay. And I think 
and I think Mark Wade might have had an article in that same issue playing oh, with yeah. an Irish accent or something like that. Oh, yeah. And but, I actually, there I was I might an, have had something in there too about turns and also there was an infamous forum issue, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you started it. Steve, no, I didn't. No, I think I did. There were, uh, yeah, but I, I was just thinking about there. There were a lot of opinions on playing Irish music on on Mountain Dulcimer shared, and I think um, if I can get away with with saying it, as far as fitting into Irish music in a lot of other settings, I think me and you, Steve, uh, well, you take us out of it. No, let me say this <laughs> I think a lot of. People tend to view the dulcimer as being maybe a little further along in its development than me and you seem to. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Okay. Can you define development there just briefly? Why don't you say all that a a different way? Yeah. Um, I would take two approaches to it. One in terms of technique and one just in terms of how we fit in sonically what our role is in an ensemble as we've talked about before whether that be irish music bluegrass but i'm thinking a lot about irish music right now um in particular are we melody players are we rhythm players if we are melody players what are our capabilities when it comes to imitating and drawing on the influences of the other instruments if we're rhythm players what are our strengths really did that make sense so far? Yeah, I mean, okay. I think. Well, first of all, oh, I was thinking of this this morning. I think it comes. Think I want you to think about really good cheese for a second, or really good scotch. Okay. Uh, there's certain things in life that are an acquired taste, and I will admit that most of the fancy things I really love now. Originally, I did not enjoy the taste of them, but I had somebody that I really admired and respected come along and tell me how great these things were. Yeah. So um, up in Wisconsin, uh, I've got a couple friends, you know who you are, and um, the Garretts. (laughs) And Tom was just telling me, you've got to try some of our cheese, you know? And I remember the first time I had it, I don't know that I liked it, but because I respected him so much, I learned how to like it. And now I'm prideful of my knowledge and experience and admiration of really fine Wisconsin cheddar. Well, that's uh, great. I've done the same thing with other things in my life, like Irish music. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of what I consider to be pure drop. And I've read books on proper jam etiquette. And um, so when I talk about this, I try to remember I don't want to be a pretentious elitist when right. we're talking about what is Irish music. I mean, when I, I don't th- think that's the case, though. Well, it's we're not trying to define what Irish music is. Well, we are a little. We're trying to define, yeah, a certain perspective of what it is and how can we uh, acquire that and present it, you know, to the listener. And and when when there's some Irish thing going on, do we deem it worthy of our participation? And then how do we go about joining in? Wow. Okay. you're, You're thinking a lot. Yeah, I don't think you really think that. What? Wow. Really think what? Yeah, just as a as a total aside, uh, recently someone commented on on one of my videos, definitely an acquired taste, and I real and I and I, <laughs> awesome. and I realized um, a time before I had gotten into scotch, I would have taken that much much worse. But now you were like, what a nice thing to say. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, he'll come back around to it. That's awesome. Well, comparing it, going back to your cheese example, when we were at uh, Jeffrey Reeve Black's house and they served us stinking Bishop cheese. I told myself, I'm going to like this more than anyone in the room, regardless of what it tastes like. Because I... I want to be a cheese lover. Yeah. 
Interesting. And it really smelled like bad socks, like really rank socks. Yeah, more so than, I mean, it really did smell like bad socks. Right. But after you tasted it, it left this like desire in your mouth to eat a little bit more of it. Uh, uh, eat a little more socks. <laughs> no, no, not to go smell socks because it was still offensive smelling. Well, my, uh, but my, it tasted good. That probably relates to some of your Scotch experience, I would think. Well, um, on on social media right now, uh, the the Scotch whiskey Lafroig, which is a particularly smoky and medicinal. Um, uh, Scotch whiskey. They're having a, a social media campaign with the hashtag opinions welcome. And the, one of the, the more creative ones I, I saw was uh, someone just asking, well, what does this actually taste like? I, I've seen it a lot, but, uh, but I've never actually put up the money to buy a bottle. And someone <laughs> said, uh, get a damp rag, um, Light your old dirty clothes on fire. Hang the damp rag over the fire, That's but not funny. too close. Now, after about an hour, uh, ring that rag out. Drink the contents of the bucket. <laughs> You'll thank me later. <laughs> I mean, I want to be careful as we talk about this, that I'm not pretending to be the high sheriff of no, Irish no. music no. on the dulcimer. You know? I don't. I think that's a lot different than saying we don't know, which is we I do think, know. At least where I, where I'm where I'm coming from when I say that I don't think it's as developed or as far along as the impression that I get. A lot of people do. But before we leave tastes, <laughs> these third I, these other objects, I want to bring in another example. <laughs> I can talk about scotch the whole. I don't know. Time. Well, this, did I talk to you guys about truffles? Truffles, on real podcast? truffles, so. not just pretend Walmart truffles. No, those okay. are not. Those are not truffles. I had about three weeks ago, for the first time in my life, real you know black truffles that look. Now, what does like this caviar. mean? You had it shaved onto something, or you actually stuck a whole truffle in your mouth? I had a truffle that a friend of mine gave me. Very expensive truffle. The stuff that's like several hundred dollars an ounce, and uh, he gave me a truffle. Now. I was, I think this applies a lot to this. I was prepared to be like, I can't believe stupid people pay, pay this much money mm -hmm. for something like this because it can't possibly be that good. It's probably an acquired taste and all of that stuff went through my mind. And talking about it right now, I'm getting a little giddy. It's like, I've never, I'm not a drug user, but if when people talk about something being like crack, I assume they're talking about truffles from here on out <laughs> because I just I did the simple thing that he said to do. I shaved it with a cheese grater, uh, you know, small grater into my eggs. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. I've never tasted anything that tasted as good as that. And seriously, right now, the memory of that it was that wasn't special, you know, because sometimes we have these memories that have to do with you might think. Irish music is the best thing ever because you went to a session and you heard it and it made you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. This was nothing. This was me standing barefoot in front of the stove cooking eggs and then realizing, wow, this is just amazing. So for our listeners uh, that can't see Dan, he's visibly more excited I am than so excited. I've ever seen <laughs> Stay him. on yeah. the mic, Dan. <laughs> I'm on the mic. Well, did you but guys... I'm trying to not float away. <laughs> if you is... guys get an opportunity to have truffles. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But did did you know that truffles uh, a truffle is a, a slang term? I'm going to tell you what it is because this is kind of appropriate. Uh, truffle, a slang used to describe a person who is seldom correct, usually in conjunction with a degenerate <laughs> know-it-all loser who's always talking <laughs> crap about subjects they know nothing about. Wait. It doesn't say crap in the dictionary. <laughs> Derived from the cliche, even a blind pig finds a truffle now and then. <laughs> wow, that what, what just happened right there was multi-layers deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually on the urban dictionary. I, I'm oh, kind of reluctant uh, to even mention that. Yeah. So, anyway, all that to, to bring it, I just mostly wanted to mention that I actually tried truffles, but it did make me question some of my deep-set opinions. About Irish like, music. About 
anything where I think I've got this opinion where like that can't be all that great. That's right. just got to be ridiculously stupid. And so Aaron and Steve, you guys have dug deeper into the into the well, into the pot of the Irish pot of gold, you know, and developed your chops that way. That's well, and it's been important to you. My first love is one of my first loves real loves for music right after axel f <laughs> um i really fell in love with irish music and i feel like i i know a lot more about it than i can actually do but when when we talk about irish music that you can mean so many different things and for me when i talk about it I'm thinking of the solo old man or the small group of old people <laughs> in Ireland or the young super bands of the 70s playing tunes, you know, and 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 all of the recent traditions that have kind of came from all that stuff. Yeah. So I I don't think that it's it's quite as broad as, say, jazz or rock as a genre, but I, I think, think that you're you, right. you can you can get as narrow with it as you want. Um, and you can I say, like to get narrow with it. Okay, well, let's get narrow with it. Let's talk specifically about Irish trad, but not so trad that there's no chordal accompaniment. Oh, so, I guess progressive trad. Oh, no, no, Since no. we're talking yeah. about the dulcimer. Well, let, I think it's valuable to... You make a good point. A lot of the Irish stuff that I listen to does not have chordal accompaniment. Right. Um, a lot of it does. Mm -hmm. But I think we should point out that it it appears to be the case that early on it was very melody-oriented where you, you didn't right. maybe have somebody playing chords like you do now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and unlike in old time music, I know we've we've touched on this before a little bit, but it's it's probably worth sharing again. Unlike in old time music where there's more or less a lot of consensus as to what chords go with a given melody, uh, with plenty of exceptions, there's no such consensus at all in Irish music it seems. Well, especially um, now. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, when I listen to the style, when I listen to a Cayley band or I listen to it with piano accompaniment, there seems to be a little more vanilla backup to this stuff. And then I yeah. think after the, the bands of the 70s, that's when I really think you start to hear that improvised single accompanist. Accompanist. How do you say that word? Uh, the a way you said it was good, though. That was like yeah. from old brother. An accompanist. <laughs> accompanist. Accompanist. <laughs> I think I'm going to use the fellow that who from plays now the guitar. <laughs> so we. So I. I just. I. Th I can wrap up what I know pretty quick. So I. I realized I had people tell me early on that. I needed to listen more to the good stuff, that my jig rhythms weren't right, that my um, hornpipes were too dotted, that my reels were funky. Um, and I ended up really spending time on the penny whistle and working on trying to look through all the myths of what ornaments are. And there's so many myths out there in written form and I'd spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's really going on here. And then I was always frustrated by how do I actually participate in this tradition? You know, how do I, how can I be a part of the good stuff with a mountain dulcimer? And, and that's what led you, you we spoke about, you know, using a band jammer basically to emulate a tenor banjo Mm -hmm. and to focus heavily on melody. And and I was trying to take what I was learning on the whistle, which is derived from piping techniques, and I was trying to apply that. And I think that I haven't spent a whole lot of time on that since we talked about that like 12 when, years ago. You just got as close as you've been to where I feel like I could involve Hammer Dulcimer specifically in this discussion. But that approach... Making it sound like a tenor banjo is 
sort of where I think the hammer dulcimer comes. Forgive me for this, because uh, this is a, a value judgment of sorts. But I think the hammer dulcimer, if people were to just hear someone playing an Irish tune that that's known and didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. would be more likely to say, "Oh, is that instrument from Ireland?" than they would with a mountain dulcimer just specifically because of the voicing of the instrument however when you get on the band jammer mm-hmm. i i think that's not true anymore yeah because the band jammer sounds right more so than just a traditional you know a, a diatonic mountain dulcimer with that yeah. with that sound i don't I wish I, there was a name for that sound i don't know what and it it's is. not <laughs> that we have to we don't there's no rules here ultimately Unless you choose to impose them on yourself or be a part of a community right. that does. I mean... But you like those rules, though. Those rules keep you fired up, and they make you want to dig and say, okay, I can do this. I like to yeah, deviate I, from the rules, and I do like to learn what they are first. I, I think you maybe obsess on learning what they are more than the average person, even I think so. in a realm of music. I mean, you actually... I've seen you take waveforms of music and point out the distance between each point of attack <laughs> uh to make a point about swing right well let's well and, with dan you know we shared an office for a while and when dan did a jig he went and and i was trying to show him the you know and I think maybe he learned to hate me over that experience. I might have learned to hate you for making a judgment about everything based on one sample. Oh, no, no. Many samples spanning decades. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Which I have been told that I'm wrong about. So I'm willing to concede that. So I I have a, uh, an article probably a three to four thousand word article in dulcimer players news this time the the one that why i'm so happy today is because it's at the press right now my nice. god that's about uh concerts and i'm not changing the subject of that at all but i opened it with a quote from theater that says uh and it's just a no, well-known thing there are no rules in theater but be careful when you break them i like oh, that that's really good it I think so applies good. to this well aaron what and I want to talk about Hammered also, but Aaron, regarding the mountain dulcimer techniques and the general, you know, layout of that type of instrument, how, how are you excited about using our instrument in that kind of music? Like, what what excites you? What do you like about it? What do you think works? Well, I'm I'm just kind of coming back around to it after taking a long break. And to be honest with you, the more... I've learned the more I've been able to play on it, the more I feel like this is hard. This is some of the hardest stuff I play yeah, or attempt to play on right. Mountain Dulcimer. And, um, uh, oh, that's good though. Right. Because it's, it's that thing where it's teaching you more than just this one genre because it's uh, yeah. pushing you. Mm-hmm. It'll push your fingerings. So, I mean, my yeah. point is, there's a uh, a check mark under learn the rules, right? Follow the rules because you're learning all kinds of stuff with it. Yeah, but I, seriously, I, like, get I think that. there's a, there's a lot about playing Irish music that did influence uh, the left hand technique that I still use, which yes. is because it, I'm flat yeah, picking most of it. And you're also showing um, a guitar left hand. N- no, I was because I flat pick most of it. Um, uh, a lot of it happens with just within the first three frets, and at most you'll go up to the fifth fret on the melody string. And if you don't have a one and a half fret, you're going to be up around four to seven to take advantage right. of that yeah. C natural. Yeah. Or even, if you go into A, you got eight. the G sharp and the middle string. Yeah. But that's so rare that, I mean, you can just sit out on A major tunes. But you you're playing want. across but, the strings uh, more. Yeah, a lot more, and because you're spending so much time in those first three frets, I wanted some position where my left hand was relaxed, as relaxed as it could be while playing up to speed, and didn't have to move very much, and that's why I tend to use 
pinky on one, middle on two, index on three, regardless of what string I'm playing on. So representing the uh, am- very amateur and in early stages of his lessons, mountain dulcimer player, you want to talk about across the strings just a little bit more? Yeah, so as opposed to playing in a linear fashion where a lot of the melodies happening on the melody string, you're playing straight up and down, and the bass and middle strings, if anything, are dedicated towards... Uh, your chords basically doing chord melody or right. maybe a, a melody note here and there and i think um, that linear fashion like really suit it's really good for old time music because there's large chunks there's many uh chunks of old time melodies if you look at a melody you'll see all these little chunks in that one melody where it's scalar fragments where a lot of mm-hmm. times the next note is right next door in the scale and with and I think that noter style works real well with old time mm-hmm. on a dulcimer. But when you go to this Irish stuff, so often the next note is a chord tone away. It's a, it's, and when I try to do noter style Irish, it sounds like, it doesn't quite work. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There are, with a lot of phrases that pop up in Irish music, there's a lot of, um, Returning to the same lower note while the and higher note changes. Going up and coming lower back. Lower da, da, yeah. da, 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 something like yeah. that. So yeah. When you're talking about... Steve, can you define, when you talk about something being a chord tone away, a little more about that? Well, think of a scale. This is so important because the two styles of music are different in this respect. So think of a D. This is not the actual key of D, but D, E, F sharp, G, A, B, C sharp, D... So that's scalar. I'm, um, I'm going to move around the scale, always going to a neighboring note. D, E, D, E, F sharp, E, F sharp, G, F sharp, D, D, C sharp, D. Irish music has a whole lot more of um, larger intervals, thirds and fourths happening a lot of the time. So D, F sharp, D, A, D, A, D, F sharp. It's got a whole lot more of that stuff, which is why working across the strings is where we turn to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did that answer the question? Refer that to being chordal. Okay, so if you take that scale and you take every other note until you have three, D, F sharp, A, or E, G, B, F sharp, A, C. If you take every other note of the scale until you have three, that's how we get the ingredients for a simple triad. And so when I say you're often jumping to chord tones, you look at, even though there may not be an underlying accompaniment, 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 <laughs> gosh, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, <laughs> you're still outlining chords a lot with Irish music and with old time music, you're often hearing a whole lot more scale or fragments where the next note is often a neighboring tone in the scale. Okay. And is it possible, did I learn this somewhere? Is it possible that some of that, I mean, much like in old time music, all the extra notes are accompaniment. Accompaniment. It's accompaniment. It's an accompaniment, yeah. Accompaniment. All the accompaniment. extra notes are accompaniment. 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 And, accompaniment. accompaniment. Yeah. <laughs> is it possible that maybe, because because lots of the songs were songs with lyrics, I wonder if it's possible that some of the Irish stuff came that way as well. Or do you some think it's more it, of a I tradition think, of instrumental? I think most of it was not, but what do you, you think? think it, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, it'd be pretty tough to sing a lot of what you hear. There's in, so uh, much movement. Yeah. So many big Irish sessions. Movements, yeah. And but, I, I think on a hammer dulcimer, whether you're doing scale or, or, or whether the next note is a second away or whether the next note is more often a third or fourth away, I think on the hammer dulcimer, both of those things are doable in a similar way. Yeah, I think it's easier. And they lend themselves what, where I think some hammer dulcimer, boy, been critical here for just a minute, but when I, if you don't have the ability to, and I like what you said earlier, Steve, you know, when we were having our discussions about about jigs and how to execute them and what they should feel like and the minor the the minor instances of swing that's a skill that you have to work on mm-hmm. uh, just this is silly but just this morning i was practicing some rudiments 
but on my chest, which I'll do sometimes, or actually on my stomach, because mm-hmm. it's kind of an exercise thing. And you'll find that I thought you were just being super alpha. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm a silverback, <laughs> but you'll find that it's not as easy as you think. You might be used to moving your hands evenly while you're using sticks for hammer dulcimer or, or playing drums. But if you just change the surface on what you're playing, moving them to a different spot, your timing isn't as good all of a sudden. Yeah. Because you've got muscle memory for that one thing. And so I guess that's what I'm getting to in hammer dulcimer. There's some really good Irish stuff that's come out. Karen. Uh, I agree. Uh, Karen Ashbrook's like stuff is great. Mm-hmm. And t- I've heard Timothy Seaman do some, his Celtic air CD mm. is really good. But every now and then you'll hear, you know, some Irish stuff from even a even a good player, and I fall out of enjoyment because timing-wise, you can tell they're out of their comfort zone. Hmm. Uh, well, they've taken an sense? Irish melody, but they're not playing it with the Irish style, and that's okay. Yeah. It's not that that us, I'm talking about, Steve. Yeah. It's basic timing. Well, you're just think, saying a sloppy music. No, you said a fine player. I'm saying a fine player who actually doesn't play this style enough. Well, that's what I said. The, not the style, but it is the, the melody. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I guess maybe I hate style. the word sloppy because it sounds so mean. It's not but, sloppy, but... Yeah. I just think it's not easy to just jump into another genre and go, yeah, yeah, I got skills. <laughs> I can do this. It's hard. You have to work at it. Well, listen yeah. to this one. And this and then I, this one's important to me. If you look at old-time music and you present it, let's take a typical busy old-time tune with a, with a lot of eighth-note pairs and the occasional chord, quarter note. You can actually delete the second of every eighth-note pair so it turns the tune into a quarter note version and you can still recognize the melody and it's even more like a song all of a sudden but the stuff that's on the end of the beat and a lot of old time music is not as important melodically as what's on the beat but when you look mm-hmm. at irish music if you take a reel and you delete the second note of every eighth note pair i don't think you actually hear the tune in most cases and so in Irish music, what's on the end of the beat is more important. But and, and this, and I want to make a point about this. This is why I don't believe American old time music is derived from especially the reels that we hear in Ireland. I think the old time music may be closer to what we call polka in Irish music. But these... I struggle with all this because, you know, Irish music I loved before I ever heard what's called old time. And and I've struggled all these years to have a flow and a genuine approach to playing that stuff. It's been hard to do well on the mountain dulcimer. Okay. So before we get too far afield again, I think the... Eighth note pair taking out that second one. One of the reasons that doesn't work, and it wouldn't work in old time music too, if you're dealing with threes. And what you do you mean, jigs? Well, I mean, I was saying threes for old time because I'm thinking waltzes and things like that. But Irish music is often divided, not all of it, is divided in threes, and taking out that eighth note doesn't work as well steve you're talking about real you mentioned real he mentioned specifically so i'm gonna it go, works uh, better with jigs dan i think okay like if you were to, in a jig if you were to take out the second and fourth that's right uh, it, you tend to get the tune yeah so i was thinking like is old gray cat is that irish i'm sorry the second and fifth beat is what I meant to say. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, second and fifth. Yeah. The, the yeah. middle note yes. of every group yes. of three. I yeah. agree with that. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. And, and listen to this, Aaron. If Check this out, dude. If you took, if you took a jig, one, two, three, da, 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 and you eliminated the middle note of each group of three, it turns mm-hmm. into this. Banka, ban, da, 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 which yeah. is actually more like old-time music. It, it feels a little bit more hornpipey that way. Well, right. forget, for, forget for the heavy swing. <laughs> but in a jig, the, the strongest melodic content is on beats one and three. And sometimes you can even get rid of everything but one and three occasionally 
especially you know and you could still preserve the flow of the melody hmm. mm-hmm. i so on the mountain dulcimer aaron has really nailed it that's not true okay well, thank you he's I, doing I well yeah. you, you're I doing saw him nail well. a catfish to a tree once <laughs> but i like i like when he takes a banjammer a banjo dulcimer and he's focusing on primarily melody with the occasional strum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when I try to do that same thing on a regular dulcimer, I'm not as pleased with the results. It's almost like the uh, the guts fall out of it for me or something. But when I've heard you do it on a baritone, then it feels right. But there's something about a regular dulcimer, and I'm not saying that this is the, always the case, but often... I just, I struggle to keep the the fire in it, you know? Yeah. But even acoustic guitar, like you hear an acoustic guitar player who's playing a jig. um, Mm -hmm. The fire drops out of that a little bit for me. Yeah. Uh, On a record, the engineer can boost their level, you know, and compress them and bring some of that clarity back. I don't know. I just, I like whistles and flutes and fiddles and pipes and band jammers (laughs) and hammer dulcimers. I like a hammer dulcimer doing Irish better than I like me doing Irish on a regular dulcimer. Yeah. That's what I said earlier on. I think it just kind of fits a little better, but, um, one of the things that I would really like to hear explored a little bit more on the, uh, on the hammer dulcimer is, um, uh, being an accompaniment, accompanist, uh, it, <laughs> accompaniment, uh, it, yeah, being the yes. being the only uh, backup in an Irish session. That needs right. to be Talk about that for a second. second. The hammer dulcimer, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, especially it it just seems with the the more progressive approach that uh, that Irish accompaniment has taken, where you've got a lot of freedom in chord choice and with with rhythms. There's um, there's a lot of different ways to approach playing backup in an Irish session type setting. Um, it just yeah, seems explain like... the freedom rhythmically and harmonically. Okay, well, hmm. we'll start with harmonically, if that's a, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, one of the things I think. At least for me, when I started playing, I learned, okay, here's a song. Now, what are the chords? Okay, these are the chords that go to that melody. And I thought those were the only chords that did go to, with that melody. Uh, and it wasn't like until I started going book, to Irish sessions that I learned that's... <laughs> Say that one more time. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I was just, we had a little Skype glitch there, by the way. I was just uh, saying, you know, you get a book and it's got these chords in it. Right. And you're thinking, well, these must be it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Until I uh. went to an Irish session and uh, the guy playing guitar there, every time through, it, it seemed like he would change up the chords he was putting and pretty drastically. And you liked it or didn't like oh, it? Oh, I loved it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I loved, I loved it, it because loved I remember uh, uh, the more I went and I would... What I what I would do was whenever they uh, they played something I thought sounded cool, I would run up and I would say, "Hey, what was the name of the last one that you just played, or the tune two song two tunes ago in that in that set?" And uh, they would tell me, and I would, I'd write it down, go home, I'd find some source for it, learn how to play it on mandolin, and um, and I just kept going regularly, asking them, "Hey, what was the name of that?" came back and what i found was that there were some some tunes when i played them uh when i played them by myself i thought this doesn't sound as cool why does this sound so cheesy (laughs) and then when i would hear it come up again in the session depending on who was playing rhythm sometimes i might go oh yeah that sounds yeah i don't really like that tune anymore but if it was you know this one particular rhythm player it was like oh wow that's gut-wrenchingly awesome and uh, Did you ever only... experiment with trying to take the elements of whatever rhythmic device they were using and then throw those odd rhythms into your picking as a solo? I mean, that's that's kind of what, it, it, just in terms of chord choice, that's 
what I do now a lot on when on you have to Dulcimer. consolidate those two roles that are normally played by two people, right? Right, <laughs> total or three total. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but in terms of uh, just that uh, that harmonic freedom, being able to pick and choose chords, and after after playing with it enough, I started to see patterns. This was the way I learned anyway. Like, okay, I'm used to when I play this simple version, I play D G D A for this part of the melody. But I know I heard someone go something like uh D E minor to G in the space where there was just a G chord to uh B minor A oh and they're substituting a sharp diminished over that A because they're going back to a B minor and Or I just oh they're holding a D chord the whole time this you know the last time. Yeah as a drone. Yeah. And so what I started doing was just noticing what, in my simple version, what they were playing, what I would play. And then when I heard a substitution, I tried that same substitution anywhere I could find uh, yeah, in every song I knew. And, right. You, um, when you learn a trick, you could start trying it in all the tunes. Yeah. I didn't and know, it's improvisational. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know anything about chord tones and the theory behind, you know, this is the melody. These notes are part of specific chords. And that makes all, all of this a lot easier. All right, so as not to pretend and try to sneak in a commercial? Sure. Uh, this is a commercial. Of sorts okay. right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we now break for our regular No, we don't sponsor. break, but, but no. it totally applies. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking, all right, so you can go... You can you can buy a book maybe where somebody describes sort of and Aaron tries got some good ones by the way yeah but but tries to describe that right you can go to a lot of sessions also mm-hmm. probably better that's probably the best place to learn going over and actually being there and seeing it and, and going through the process that you went to mm-hmm. or you could try dulcimer school mm-hmm. because I think one of the advantages of teaching with video is that you get the combination of a book. And a teacher who's putting things in context and showing it to you over and over again. Right. So that's <clears throat> seriously that's that's a commercial. But I and think also that's, at Dulcimer at Dulcimer School, we you're going to be you're going to have people who care about you oh, who really it. learn about your particular you know <laughs> bent. That's the commercial we don't want to do. But, that's actually true, just not in the weird voice. <laughs> not in the creepy way. Not in the creepy way. That's but the true. improvised. Yeah. So here's the problem is somebody says, well, I'm going to go to this session. I heard there's an Irish session in town and I, I want to learn a lot of the tunes and I don't really know the tunes yet, but I, I, I figure I can just play chords. And I think what <laughs> yeah. we're talking about here is no, you, you no, can't. No, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a chordal guy there who's probably pretty good. He's improvising. If he plays five or six tunes and he sees another chord guy come in, this is what I've noticed. The original chord guy who was, let's say, playing a bazooki, he puts his bazooki down and picks up a different instrument. So the guy who just walked in, who's a known good chord player, could do it for a little bit. Right. I, I, I never see two of those guys going at the same time. I've been told by some people that that does happen. I've just right. never seen it. It does happen. And sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a band hosting the a session. A rehearsed that, band. So they're yeah. used to playing yeah, with Yeah, and other. so they have they have sets that they usually play. That's not to say that they can't go outside of that, but they're but two it's, rhythm it's players. it's more restrictive, I yeah, think. Who are familiar with e- each yes, other. Yes, they um, can read each other. Yeah. Um, in some settings, it's uh, um, there's some trading off that happens. Like, okay, if you kind of led the way for that last set, um, then, you know, we'll swap and i'll i'll play i'll be the leader yeah for for this set or for a little while and sometimes it's just a cluster it's uh sometimes there's none of that going on and you've got two people playing very different chords and sometimes they stack on top of each other in cool ways but that's just a happy coincidence (laughs) and there's plenty of other tension that happens there i mean Uh, (laughs) when uh, irish sessions are known for being snobby but there's one reason yeah i think so but i i think it's not true generally because think about this you get a you got some really good players and 
then you got some less knowledgeable players who basically create a train wreck. The better players quit coming. Yeah. And so what you might perceive as snobbiness is really people just having a desire to they don't want the good players to not want to come. Can I add something to that real quick? Yeah. Um I don't think it's it's that so much. I think a lot of the really good players that I've met, um, I've seen them be even encouraging uh, to newer yeah, players. Like, but not all hey, of if, them. <laughs> if you know, yeah, if you, if you know this set, well, I think where the maybe the impatience comes from is a lack of awareness. Sometimes when someone shows up and they they go, oh well, I'm a guitar player and I know I can I can play all those chords. I'll just follow along. No, that doesn't work. And I think guitar players or any kind of rhythm instrument is going to be going to probably going to receive the the most amount of uh, um, attitude for. Yeah, I can't think of a better word right now. But I mean, often I think uh, I th- I think that there is if you if you come with this. Okay, I'm not going to this understanding. I'm not going to play everything. I'm not going to play loud. I'm going to play quiet and I'm just try listen. and stay in the background. I think a lot of good players, at least the ones I've run into, have been really great and yes. really encouraging, and they're glad that you're learning in this way. If and they see to, that you are teachable, yeah. I think they will often teach you. Mm-hmm. But if you come in just doing things your way, you get your feelings hurt, you seem to be clueless of the conversation, the musical conversation that's going on, they're, they're going to turn their back to you. Yeah. And that up that hurts people's feelings. But they're doing a very specific thing there. They've, they've been focusing on it for years. And, right. you know, if I remember a guy showing up with a bass flute and he was trying to play everything like in the key of B flat or something, I forget. <laughs> And everybody was like, we can't do that. We, you know, well, and he got his it, feelings hurt. It remi- In the Dulcimer Players News article that Andy Young did uh, a while ago, I think he said something like in his article uh, in tossing around different names for the article. One of them that came up was how to how to try and sneak a hammer Dulcimer into a, <laughs> into an Irish session. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you remember anything about that? Anybody? Does anybody... We read the magazine, don't we? I believe. Yeah, yeah. I've got, got it in my pocket right now. All right, tell us, a, what was what, no, what was he article. talking about there? Yeah, I'd have to go back. I'm, I think I'm mixing that up with, with one that I had. Why isn't Andy thinking. on this show right now? We ought to get Andy on here. He's a great yeah. player. And he's, he's a, a good whistle player, you know? So You know, it sounds, in this conversation, it sounds like we're, I don't want to frighten anyone away from going and trying. I no. mean, it's it's... It sounds restrictive, but it's no it more sounds- restrictive than walking up, walking into a book club, you know, and they're discussing poetry and they happen to oh, be talking about... Oh, I'm not about, making that mistake. Or, 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 or yeah. they're discussing, you know, whatever, or, or it's, you know, heavy literature and they're talking about Proust. And no, I mean, you probably aren't going to be able to jump in <laughs> right then, but... It, can- it requires a little more homework. It requires... I think it's a little harder on a, my instrument... Um, but I love it, man. I love it. I want to learn more about it. I love that Aaron has, has accomplished so much with it. Um, and, and I guess here's, we, we got to get back to what we started with. There have been some pioneers on the mountain dulcimer who were the first ones to contemplate these things on our instrument, you know, and I do honor those experiments and and those explorations and um and again you know the whole thing about we stand on the shoulders of giants and but we're not hurting them when i want to learn irish music (laughs) primarily i'm gonna try to listen to the best of of the of the irish players and try to just try to figure out what to do you know and Aaron, what about the style? And I know you already covered this, but I think it's important. If you get a tab for an Irish tune that includes melody and chords at the same time on one instrument, mm-hmm. you might think, I can go to the session and do that. Um, but they're going to have to accommodate you a little bit if you're going to just do that. Because you're doing the chords, 
you're setting, you know, you're playing things at your uh, tempo. Yeah, I see and what I you're think saying, though. What I want to do is, if I go into a group of really good Irish players, they will be willing to accommodate me for maybe one, two sets. But then I like to back away because I don't want to be the guy that everybody has to accommodate all the time. Yeah. And just just to be clear, I think on Hammer Dulcimer and on Mountain Dulcimer, as a just as a, a solo arrangement, it can be it can be kind of cool if you're throwing in it chords and oh yeah, playing the that melody. has a lot of value. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying that's I'm talking cool, about moving that into that group. Yeah, of people. in a in an Irish trad session specifically, if especially if there's someone else playing chords, they're gonna they're likely going to want to mix up their chords and have a lot of freedom with their accompaniment like we talked about already. And if you're doing a uh, chord melody arrangement, it's really easy to um, uh, to rub up against them musically. But, you know, the reason I started all this off talking about elitism is because I don't want to be that guy. And I'm not saying, yeah, and I I, like I said, I don't want to be the high sheriff of Irish music on the Mountain Dulcimer. If you... If there's some Irish stuff that touches you, do it however you like. Enjoy it. It doesn't have to be what anybody would think is the real stuff or whatever. Like, I don't want to live in that world. Does that apply to most things? Yeah, I think so. Good. Then we're going to go back to where we really started, where somebody said we shouldn't do weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking at comments on Dulcimer Geek, and uh, thank you, Ann Bowman. She says, I really enjoy these types of conversations. I think they're actually very important concepts and fundamental to the way we get on with living. Thanks so much, Dan. <laughs> it's com- Dan in particular. For coming up with these ponderings. Love them. Uh, and by the way, Ann, you've given us some great comments. Keep them coming and more. Uh, join, Find us on Facebook and Maybe we could get uh, keep some of the conversations going there. That would be fun if people... If you give us a positive review there, we might do another podcast. Like, the iTunes thing is good. We never we don't do that very often. Oh, yeah. Uh, going and we haven't... We, you know what? I don't know that you listen to that many podcasts, but Steve and I are like junkies for podcasts. I think it's becoming more popular. We are the worst promoters ever. (laughs) The worst. We We don't talk. I don't don't talk about the podcast or Dulcimer School in any of my classes. Almost. I know. We just forget because I kind of think that's there's some sincerity in that, and that we really are into this whole thing. We really are doing this because we want to talk to each other. I think. (laughs) Right. It keeps us from wasting. Well. Ooh, I just realized Ooh. it used to be just, we just wasted our time. Now we're wasting other people's time. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It's not at all, really. So listen, this is uh, one other just mild uh, promotional thing. Dulcimer Players News, we have found, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but there are fewer and fewer people making CDs. Uh, the the way things have changed, you know, it's like, Aaron, you're releasing more things on patreon kind of on a regular basis and there are new vehicles like that which are great and they're fine Mm -hmm. but it means there are fewer like somebody works on a project and wants to promote that project so newer apple computers don't even come with a cd drive i know yeah so it's getting harder and harder to uh to pull the review cds together and make you know because there was a time actually when i had I would choose to not use some things because you were, I had, you were inundated with CDs. Yeah. And so I could pick out something that sounded really good and put it together and still promote everybody and all that. So anyway, I'm not saying all that to complain. I'm saying that I realized putting this last issue together, what a tremendous opportunity this creates because there are fewer places that people's works are getting promoted, you know, like even oh, the yeah. old stuff they've done. So I'm going to start the Dulcimer Players new sampler CD. I'm going to start making them be thematic. Oh, And cool. so the next issue, I'm going to do waltzes. Nice. And so I'm putting out the call for people. If you've recorded at some point in the past, whether it be 20 years ago or two years ago, and not necessarily will everything get on, but there's a lot of room to put a lot of cuts on a CD. Hmm. And uh, I'm looking for some people talking to you, Steve, talking to you, Aaron, and anybody else who might be willing to write about, okay, approaches to waltzes. It'd be interesting if more than one person did that to does i think uh i think this has a lot of potential 
You know, and I want to say about what you do with the CDs, we increasingly, there's more and more and more and more media out there, books, movies, you know, music. Um, it's more important than ever to have, I think it's great to have somebody be a little bit of a tour guide for you. And what I like what you do with the CD is you'll listen to a bunch of stuff and you work very hard to pick out the things that you think are listenable and interesting and well done. Right. Not only musically, but also the production of it. And um, I really, this is not a promotion. <laughs> I really think that those CDs do a good job of representing the cream of the dulcimer crop. Yeah, what's happening? Uh, the, but there's just that there's less of that happening now. And so that's why. This that's shift. right. There's fewer CDs being made by artists right now, you think? Yes. And I think even more so in niche markets. Hmm. Uh, maybe Boy, I'm wrong about that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It's just that they used to be, we, we got them all the time. And I think there was one for this last one. So <clears throat> I called several people and said, hey, find me something uh, just this time to make it better. And, and it was fun. I mean, I, I, I uh, Mike Anderson, haven't had anything for Mike Anderson on there in a while. So got a hold of Mike and pulled in. Mike's always got cool stuff. Mike's always got cool <laughs> stuff, and I pulled something off of one of his CDs from that he did in the '90s that was basic from his Ice Out CD that was done for kids, and it quotes about seven different kids songs in it, and it's huh. and it's fun. So anyway, that, that's where the idea came from. Uh, it's so strange yeah. to me the old days. How you, I mean, imagine right now if there was only one website for dulcimer players, not no other websites, one. You know, that's the way the Dulcimer Players News Magazine was uh, 25 years ago. There was one thing. We need an (laughs) influx of subscribers because, and and we're finishing now, so this isn't going to go on and on, so don't worry about that. But we've, uh, we're in our 11th year now as editors and publishers, Angie and I. uh, And it's we're down just a little bit in numbers. I mean, we're still above where it was when we got it, but we're down just a little bit in numbers and uh, the costs of doing everything have gone up a lot. The costs of printing have gone up a lot, but yet advertising prices have, I think we might've gone up just a few percentage points one time, like not long after we got it, but they haven't really changed. Everything's sort of staying the same. So the way that this magazine is going to continue to serve this community is if we have numbers of subscribers and they are potentially there but guys Aaron's age that are coming in you don't have any endearment to like oh I want to order a new magazine I mean you guys your age and this may not be true for you I don't even know what you subscribe to or don't are typically not magazine subscribers yeah so yeah so we're facing this thing and we know we got to go digital at some point and but we know if we did that, the bulk of our readers are, you know, over 50. Mm-hmm. So, and probably wouldn't, we would lose. They're over 50, but they generally tend to be very attractive over 50. Oh, absolutely. People. Intelligent. That's why the, in the next issue, people. we're going to have the, uh, the calendar. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> yes. The Dulcimer Players News Swimsuit Edition. I think so. That's one of my other ideas. I still want to think about that one some more. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. I'm going to wear scuba gear. Yeah. Hey, go to dpnews.com. dpnews.com and subscribe today and tell your friends to subscribe. And uh, we're going to keep moving on. And we've been doing this for an hour. We've used an hour of your day, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, but let's Aaron give them a little. I think Aaron May listens and washes, cleans her kitchen sometimes. I've seen a number If of it wasn't for this podcast, things. her kitchen would be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I want to encourage everybody to get online and look for some authentic Wisconsin cheddar and order yourself a variety. Get yourself a two-year, a six-year, an eight-year, and, and go for a 10 and a 12. And if you got a little money... Spend $100 an ounce for that 20-year cheddar from Wisconsin. Ladies and gentlemen, that Mm, is the end of that. Well, uh, maybe... So here's another thing you could do. 
in the 10 years it takes to age that cheddar, you could save all that money for that 10 years and buy an ounce of truffles and have eggs one morning that you'll remember for the rest of your life. All right, Aaron, what's your repulsive suggestion? (laughs) Come over to my house and try some scotch. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you in a little bit. (laughs) Hey, y'all, have a good... uh... Have a good St. Paddy's Day.